Hello everyone, welcome to Mastermind.fm. In this episode, we'll be talking about NFT taxation. And with me, I have my dad, Joseph Galea, and Shahan from Cointracker. Yeah, we'll be talking about the different use cases, I mean, different nuances of NFT-specific uh, taxation and how Cointracker helps us to keep on top of things. So welcome, both of you, to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Uh, so let's start with uh, you, Shahan. Uh, if you could give a brief intro of yourself, and then we'll start digging into Coin Tracker and then FT taxation. Sure, I'm the head of tax strategy at Coin Tracker, um, which is a software that helps you reconcile your crypto taxes. Uh, we currently support U.S. taxes, U.K., Canada, and Australia. My background is a CPA uh, in the U.S., so I um, help uh, them. Uh, I help the company uh, build like an accurate product when it comes to uh, NFT and crypto taxes. Awesome. And uh, my dad, you want to give a two-minute intro? Well, uh, I'm 66 years old. Um, I'm an accountant by profession. I'm semi-retired. At the moment, um, I'm doing a lot of directorships with um, companies in different business sectors. Everybody is intrigued with cryptos and NFTs. But I find that many, so many people find it um, a bit difficult to understand the concept and more difficult to understand how tax will impact profits registered on the eventual sales of cryptos and NFTs. Therefore, I'm sure that Sheehan can give us more and more insight on this. Um, to put some people's minds at rest that uh, one can find assistance in, uh, in such software, especially when uh, there is a big number of transactions involved. Excellent. So um, why don't we start from uh, what the problem is with NFTs and uh, tracking and how CoinTracker offers various services tailored at addressing the main problem that we all have is keeping on top of things when it comes to NFTs. Yeah, I think the, the biggest problem with NFTs and, and even cryptocurrency uh, is tracking the information you need to file your taxes accurately. To file your NFT or crypto taxes accurately, you need a bunch of data points. Uh, you know, how much you bought an NFT for, uh, did you, if you spend any gas fees, how much uh, were those? How much are you selling your NFTs for? And if your NFT is paying royalties, what's that uh, look like? You know, how much uh, was that, you know, rewards were worth uh, each time you received it? Um, so tracking and keeping good records of those, all the data points is, is virtually impossible, especially if you have, you know, NFT spread across, you know, multiple platforms and wallets. So what CoinTracker does is you can easily connect your wallet to CoinTracker. And then the coin tracker tracks all that information for you automatically and gives you the tax forms you need to file. So, so you're not going to get trouble with the tax regulators. Therefore, your software has been tried and tested with the uh, revenue people. So we have been in the U.S. since 2017. Uh, there have been a handful of uh, cases where some of the coin tracker users have been audited by the IRS. And during those audits, IRS has asked them, Hey, show us uh, the proof of your calculations. And in all those cases, Iris has accepted coin tracker produced results. 
So that's the evidence that we have um, to say that, you know, Iris has accepted the numbers generated by us. That's great. Are you aware of, or has this happened already with NFT specific queries by the IRS? Uh, not NFT specific stuff. Uh, NFTs are, are somewhat new. I mean, it might not be new if you're in the crypto space, but for the regulators, like it's, uh, you know, they haven't even looked into that space. They're, I feel like they're still kind of looking into the crypto related non-compliance. I personally, I haven't seen any NFT related audits yet. Okay. Therefore, uh, Shehan, um, how did you build the, the software for the NFTs? Have you used the crypto model for the NFTs? Yeah. So, so to comply with the NFT taxes, the data points, uh, you, you need are very similar to, uh, you know, tracking gains and losses for crypto. I mean, fundamentally, NFTs are, you know, ERC 721. So it's not fungible like the, the coins. There are some challenges when it comes to figuring out some of the data points. Like, for example, if you have an NFT, what's the market value like right now, right? Because there's no coin market cap equivalent for obscure NFT. So in those cases, how do we figure out the market value? So that's one of these nuances that we need to deal with. Uh, but generally speaking, the same algorithm that we use to, for gain and loss calculations for coin you know, transactions can be used for NFTs, uh, NFT transactions for the most part. You cater for wealth tax because some countries, I'm not sure whether the countries that you mentioned have actually uh, wealth tax, but there are a number of countries, even in the EU, that have wealth tax and that involves valuation. Have you catered for that? No, so the NFT valuation uh, is not something that we uh, have gone into. I mean, what we do right now is we rely on outside sources to kind of impute a value. Flow price is a good indication uh, if it's like a more liquid type of NFTs. I mean, I'm somewhat familiar with the bell taxes, you know, the taxes you need to pay on like the current market value of, like I said, an asset. In order to do that, you had to get the right appraisals and et cetera. That's not something we currently support today, but in the future, as we expand into other countries, I'm sure we might you know, come across that, that hurdle as well. You, you mentioned that uh, you have catered for countries like the USA, Canada, Australia, the UK, right? Correct. All, all advanced countries with sophisticated tax systems. <laughs> they are all um, focused on, on cryptos and NFTs for sure. Although... I would say that they still probably find some difficulties to train their, their own people. In other countries which are less developed, um, people might be taking some opportunities at the moment to make gains in cryptos. But the thing is that um, people want to sleep at night. It's uh, useless saying, how can they catch me? But at the end of the day, um, everyone wants peace of mind. And I think even from, I remember the podcast that we had with your colleagues on cryptos, one of the aims is to uh, help people put their mind at rest that their taxes are okay, there shouldn't be any problem, and they can continue with their business in cryptos, making profits, hopefully, yes, but paying the right amount of, of tax without any uh, undue, undue worries. What are your plans for the other countries? Do, do you intend to target the EU, for example? Uh, yeah, I think EU uh, uh, is, is a focus area for sure. We are seeing a lot of activity coming from Germany, even right now. 
Like, for example, in Germany, we don't like, uh, you know, support that country on the surface, but a uh, lot of uh, people from Germany and other EU countries are using the existing coin tracker to kind of plug in their numbers and kind of get what they want out of the product, even though we are not specifically supporting those countries. So as we see more traffic coming out of these countries, we want to, you know, dedicate like, you know, teams to kind of support those countries. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's kind of like the high level plan for EU. Okay. And uh, your system involves tracking costs, right? Um, both the cost of purchase, the fees involved, right? Your fees and maybe some other fees. Um, therefore, they are added on, right, to the cost. So that when the sale take, takes place, then the cost is deducted and uh, the gain taxable, right? If I understand well. So, so the, so the fee part is different from country to country. Uh, at a high level, a lot of countries kind of follow the, you know, what the U.S. follows. Fees could get really tricky. I mean, if the fees are paid in U.S. dollars, that's, that's very self-explanatory. So if you're selling something and then you're paying, let's say $10 worth of fees to execute the transaction, you minus that fee from the sales proceeds. That's, that's, that's very easy. Things get complicated when you pay fees in a cryptocurrency because that has two events. So when you, when you spend a cryptocurrency to pay a fee, if there's a gain, you have to still recognize that because imagine a situation where you got an Ethereum for $10. At the time you're spending it as uh, for, for fees, it's worth 20 bucks. So that uh, expenditure creates a capital gain event in addition to it being a fee. Uh, so you had to capture that and then you had to minus that, you know, $20 in my example from the sales proceeds to net the sales proceeds with the fee. So yeah, uh, fees paid in cryptocurrency could get complicated. And the fees incurred on the purchase will be kept on record, right? Yeah. I mean, in the case of an NFT, uh, if you're, especially if you're like a business, like if you're uh, paying like a fee to obtain an NFT, that typically gets added to the basis of the property. So when you later sell that, property, you recognize less amount of gains because you increased your basis by the fees. So, so that's the idea. Okay. And if there's an exchange, um, instead of, you know, selling for cash, you exchange your, your NFTs. Um, how, how do you capture that? Yeah, it's a, it's a common misconception uh, among, like, you know, US taxpayers and in other countries. Uh, they're like, Hey, I traded, you know, one coin with another or maybe like one NFT with another. And I don't need to pay any taxes because I never got any cash, uh, in my still hand. A, a sale and the purchase. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is, it is still a taxable event, uh, especially in the U.S. and in other countries as well for the most part. Yeah. So in the case of crypto to crypto, uh, it's relatively easy to kind of figure out the gains because there's a, you know, active market for both sides of the side of the coin. Like you can, you know, look for the prices in, in coin market caps and et cetera. But in the case of NFTs, again, we had to figure out, you know, how, uh, you know, liquid these NFTs are. And sometimes you also see people like changing uh, NFTs among what's called related parties. To kind of manipulate the the gains recognized from uh, from those exchanges, so you also had to kind of uh, factor that in, because for example, I cannot sell my let's say I have a million dollar NFT, I cannot sell it to my let's say my parents for I don't know hundred thousand dollars to kind of manipulate the tax outcome because it's a related party transaction. Me and my parents are related, so 
So you have to kind of also factor in those things when it comes to NFTs, for which the prices are not readily available like uh, coins. But how, how do you capture that with your software? <laughs> we, we cannot capture that with our software. Um, uh, I mean, the, the software is built to help people, you know, track certain things. The software is not built to capture tax evaders. That's a whole different, you know, types of software. So we're just, we're software that's going to help uh, people, you know, comply with the taxes. Uh, we, we are not in the business of, you know, catching tax No, no, no. I, I meant, do you prompt the question in your software? As to whether I would be selling to a related part, for example, to my son, Jean. Uh, we don't do this uh, right now. Um, but in the future, as we see, you know, a lot of transactions like that, you know, you, you might consider doing that. Can I just uh, interject on this one? Because there's this interesting part here where you're selling directly to another person, but they're in general, they're anonymous as well. You don't really know who you're selling to. So from the legal standpoint, is there an expectation of knowing who you're selling to? Good question. Um, generally, yes. I mean, especially if it involves like a bigger transaction, this is, this is more of like a non-tax, you know, AML, KYC type of question. I think this is the problem that a lot of, um, NFT platforms are facing today as well, because if you take a platform like OpenSea, uh, there's like millions worth of, you know, transactions going uh, between parties. And some of those transactions are, for, for, uh, belong to the same party who have connected, you know, two different wallets. So they're selling, uh, to, to each other to kind of pump up the prices. So that, that could lead into yes, tax issues because of this related party stuff and, and also market manipulation and whole sorts of other legal issues because the identity of the other person is unknown. But then the challenge is if you're asking for the identity of the other person, uh, that kind of works against the ethos of crypto. So that's the whole dilemma that I guess a lot of companies and platforms are dealing with because they do not want to facilitate those bad actors and manipulate the market. But how do you do that in a fashion uh, so they can still kind of preserve their anonymity? So uh, I don't think uh, uh, the industry ha- ha- has found a good solution yet. Yeah, so I think from the perspective of Coin Tracker and other similar tools, it's a question of waiting what the exchanges do, like OpenSea looks rare. If they implement some type of KYC, then you would be able to build up on that. But right now, I don't see how you could implement anything. I mean, even the authorities, it's like very kind of impossible to track all these things and unless you're specifically targeting a person with large transactions, as, as far as I can see. Um, well, this issue of audit trail mm-hmm. um, can become important. For example, in VAT, they, they do it in Europe. There's knowing the, the supplier and the customer to uh, track the, the activities. Um, Shehan, you said that in a way, you have tested this. Uh, you have tested your software with the authorities, no? You had some maybe inspections and that they passed with flying colors, no? Um, did they ask um, uh, for the list of, of customers, for example, of somebody who have sold? Um, no, I mean, even if they ask for, for that, I mean, we don't carry any KYC information. Um, so... To use CoinDrag, all you need is like an email account and a password. 
Um, and we want to be that way to again to preserve the the ethos of the crypto community. We don't want to you know carry any PII information. So yeah, so we don't have any uh, PII information. But did they ask? Uh, no, I mean they haven't they haven't targeted us. I mean obviously they you know authorities they have targeted exchanges a lot because they have the PII information. Uh, there have been I would say maybe one or two situations where that. They have asked questions about certain, you know, users, um, because they have, you know, court orders and obviously we, we want to comply with those court orders. Uh, but in those cases, all we could say is that, okay, this is what we have. Uh, and, and we don't have any information. So, yeah. Coming back to the previous transaction where let's say we're using Swap or NFT trader to set up or even just a direct transfer exchange between multiple uh, items plus ETH. How does CoinTracker detect and handle, say, me selling a crypto a crypto punk plus E for another crypto punk? Does it manage to gather the two pieces on one side and the other NFT on the other? Yeah. So the, the right now the NFT support we have, uh, I'm going to say it caters more towards some of those, you know, very I would say simple to um, uh, non-advanced users. Uh, Historically, we have focused uh, a lot of our efforts on improving our integration with the different blockchains, coins, and in the past couple of years, uh, we got in a bunch of L1s, L2s to support. So uh, there's a lot, lot more work to be done on the NFT front. Um, but uh, again, when it comes to startup, it's, it's all about, you know, how do you, when to use your resources instead of kind of like, you know, what to build. For example, if you look at uh, the NFT uh, trading volume in the past couple of months, I think it was all time low in, in OpenSea. I think there was like, you know, uh, tens of, in, in tens and maybe $20,000 worth of gross volume or something like that. So right now, uh, the focus right now is to get the product updated and ready for the next tax season, which is coming up in like, you know, two, three months. So the specific transactions that you mentioned, I don't know if you're supporting it, I had to check. But at a high level, we we don't support super advanced NFT transactions right now. Uh, how would the, the user then? Could he build on? Uh, could he use the system at least to like mark them in a certain way so that he can extract the report? Or would it be a case of exporting a CSV and then doing the rest of the stuff manually right in Excel? Uh, there, there are a couple of ways. Uh, I think one way is, uh, if you're detecting the transaction, like you can manually edit, uh, certain properties of the transaction, uh, like the cost basis, proceeds and fees and stuff like that. So a lot of people use that manual edit feature, uh, to edit things and get the, get the, get to the outcome they like. Um, and then the other thing is that, like you mentioned, like you can download the entire transaction history report, uh, uh, and then edit the CSV and kind of bulk upload things so you can kind of get the desired outcome uh, using CoinTracker. Um, if I would have bought the software for my cryptos and now I'm transacting an NFTs, can I get an enhancement from you or is the software for NFTs totally separate? Oh, the NFT module is uh, literally inside any coin tracker tier. Uh, if you go to there, uh, if you go, if you log into your coin tracker, there's an NFT center. So you just copy and paste your MetaMask address and uh, all the NFTs you have get populated. 
And when you sell or buy NFTs, uh, it goes to the transaction page and uh, with actually a, like a thumbnail of the NFT that you're purchasing or selling. So you have like a reference uh, of, of what's happening. So uh, NFT and the crypto software, these are not two separate software. They're, they're, they're just one software. NFT center is in a different section inside the, the normal login that you have. In fact, you buy NFTs through it, therefore it makes sense, no? Yeah, I mean, these are, I mean, um, I mean, I know people call these, you know, NFTs, coins and et cetera, but these are, in my opinion, these are tokens and tokens could represent anything, uh, in the future. So right now tokens represent, you know, coins or digital artwork. It could be a piece of stock or real estate in the future. So, so, uh, who knows? And maybe in 10 years time, we might call ourselves like a token tracker instead of coin tracker. Does coin tracker handle Tezos, the blockchain? Or only ETH? We support over, uh, the last time I checked, uh, over 8,000 currencies. Uh, I think over, um, the number of blockchains that we support are in the hundreds. Uh, when it comes to the coverage, uh, I would say we are one of the top, uh, in the industry. Um, so yeah, you should, you should have a lot of coverage if you're using a coin tracker. Within the context of NFTs. So I guess given that they are tokens, they would also be supported. On other blockchains like Solana, Tezos. So uh Ethereum for sure. I mean, that's that's like the main one. Uh, yeah. Solana and and Polygon. I had to double check. Um, I'm, I'm not. I, I need to talk to other team to see uh, the, the support we have. Okay. Within the context of like when you wrap ETH to wrap ETH, which is something very common. Um, could you elaborate on what is happening in the background there? Because this is, I think, one of the other misconceptions, as we mentioned earlier, but something very specific to NFTs. Yeah. So they're, so they're wrapped, uh, it, I mean, it, this can also be applied to like wrapped Bitcoin as well. So essentially you're sending your normal Ethereum to a, to a custodian, uh, like a smart contract. Um, and then your normal Ethereum is held by that smart contract and you receive the wrapped version of, uh, that Ethereum or, or Bitcoin. So that's the, the technical piece. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not an engineer, but I have a high level understanding of how it works. Uh, I guess uh, the interesting question is, is it a taxable event or not? Um, on the surface, uh, if you, you know, if you really look at it, you know, you, you had Ethereum. And then you send some Ethereum to the smart contract and you received W, uh, you know, wrapped, uh, back. Uh, IRS hasn't issued any guidance on wrapped type of tokens. Uh, again, they're, they're a little bit behind. I mean, all the regulators, you know, they have so many other things to take care of. So they haven't looked into this wrapped, you know, Ethereum case or anything like that. Um, so in the absence of this guidance, I would say the conservative approach to follow is to create as a taxable event. Um, and I mean, if you want to take the non-conservative approach, you could argue that that's not a taxable event, um, uh, because it's an IOU. Um, so I have seen people taking, you know, both approaches, uh, but most of them default to that conservative approach because they don't want to kind of get into trouble with the IRS. Um, so yeah. And in the case of Rabdit, you would take the same price as it as the purchase price once you sell and buy. Rapid. Correct. So if you follow the conservative approach, let's say you had Ethereum that you purchased for a thousand bucks at the time you're wrapping it, it's for two thousand. So you would have a gain for thousand dollars and the basis of the wrap Ethereum is going to be two thousand in that case. 
right? Uh, and Coin Tracker does detect this wrapping. We we do detect the wrapping. Yes. Cool. All right. And uh, well, now another issue with NFTs is that a lot of accounts receive a ton of spam, which means receiving hundreds or sometimes thousands of NFTs, worthless NFTs. Um, that has been the problem of wallets, of exchanges, and of tracking software, as I've seen, where you get all these displayed in your account, but really haven't been purchasing all those items. So I'd love to know if there's any filtering going on within CoinTracker and what's the the legal perspective on those items. So currently we don't have filtering, but this is one of the most requested features by our users. Um, so uh, the, the way we kind of build stuff is, is is mainly driven by the number of upvotes we get for certain features by our users and then the, the dashboard on like, you know, a roadmap and everything is public. So I, I think I, I'm not sure, but I think this is something we're going to focus on in the Q4 or Q1 next year. Uh, again, like one of the highly requested features. Um, the second question thing, question is about kind of like the tax implications. Uh, most of the time when you receive this NFT, they don't have any value. So you don't, you don't have to kind of worry about it. Um, if you, if you want like a peace of mind, like if you really don't need this as soon as you receive it, uh, maybe send it to a null address. So, so it's kind of out of your hands. So you don't have to worry about, um, any implications in the future. Yeah. It depends if you're receiving thousands of them. You're going to spend yeah. a lot of money. <laughs> and I guess that applies also when, for example, there's an airdrop from an existing project. So say Moonbirds getting issued to proof members, um, at a, at a zero cost, basically. Is that the way to record them at zero cost when there's an airdrop from an existing, by holding an existing NFT, you get an additional one or more NFTs? Well, at the time you're receiving whatever the free uh, airdropped NFT or coin, and and you can prove that at the time you're receiving that new token, uh, the price of the token is zero. Then it's zero income to to be recognized at that point, and the basis of the token would be zero. Um, and obviously, when you later sell that coin, you will recognize the full full gain. So um, as long as you can prove that, okay, I received it at this time on this block. Um, at that time, uh, it's zero based on uh, XYZ evidence. Um, then you don't have any uh, income recognition event. How is it done in practice? Because, I mean, you receive them the day they launch. And it could be that some people have received them before you, like minutes or an hour before, and there's already a floor price. Um, so it's a very technical issue, kind of. It is. It is. It is a very technical issue. I, I'm just kind of sharing you what the expectation from the IRS is. Um, but, but you're so right. I mean, for example, Ethereum went through this, um, uh, you know, whole, you know, soft fork and also followed by a hard fork. And, um, some people receive Ethereum fair and Ethereum proof of work. And what was the value of the Ethereum proof of work mm -hmm. and Ethereum fair at the time we received it, right? Because there was no established market. Um, you also have kind of like a room to kind of manipulate. You can recognize lesser income, higher income and et cetera. So, the way I would have response to your question about like, you know, how do I figure out the, the value? Just, just use something reasonable because these are like, you know, uh, new waters for even for regulators to navigate. 
as uh, long as you're being reasonable and have documentation to kind of prove your thing and you're being consistent on, 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 you know, doing the same thing for certain type of transactions, you should be in a good place because that signals the regulators that you're trying to show good faith. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of direct guidance. You're trying to do the best with the information you have. And that kind of goes a long way, uh, versus you taking uh, a super aggressive, uh, uh, route. And then this case coin tracker would show it as an airdrop or you can mark it as an airdrop. Uh, we can mark it as an airdrop. If we can detect the pricing, we would, we would show the pricing. Uh, some of these obscure airdrops, like it's, there's no way that we can figure out the pricing because there's, there's no pricing information. In that case, you can manually edit it. Uh, and, and you can add like a proceed or like a cost basis, uh, depending on your risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sounds good. There are, there are individuals who um, are thinking of investing in cryptos or in, in NFTs, part of their portfolio. Some of them not to miss out on an opportunity, others because it intrigues them. Um, however, from my discussions with uh, even colleagues my age, um, they are a bit confused as to when they can become taxable. For example, uh, if you buy a piece of art and you hold it for you know, for your own pleasure, and then you sell it after 10 years. Many countries, there is no tax. At what point um, should people start thinking? And do you think that in the case of NFTs, there's some kind of break-even point? So the quantity, because if you have, say, two, three, I think it's easy to, to do them manually, to, to keep their course manually. What is your opinion on this? Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think it, it would be helpful if I share, uh, kind of like the five taxable events that you need to know, uh, dealing with, you know, coins and NFTs, because a lot of people are confused about, okay, what event triggers taxes and, and what event, uh, does not trigger taxes. So, so number one, this is super easy cashing up, right? You know, you got an NFT for thousand bucks, sold it for five thousand. You got to pay taxes on the difference, uh, applies to coins as well. Uh, number irrespective, two, be, irrespective of how long you hold it. Irrespective of how long you hold it. Uh, the holding period has an impact on how much taxes you pay in the US. But generally speaking, you have, you got to pay taxes on the difference. And the number two uh, is when you exchange one token with another. So it applies to when you exchange one NFT with another, one coin with another. You don't need to receive any cash uh, for you to have like a taxable event. So this is like the second one is where a lot of confusion happens, but you gotta, you gotta pay taxes. So the third situation is, uh, when you spend your coins, I'm not sure if this is applicable to NFTs because you cannot spend an NFT to buy a cup of coffee. Maybe you can in the future, uh, fractional NFTs. Uh, but generally speaking, when you spend like a Bitcoin or a fraction of a Bitcoin to buy a cup of coffee or something else, that triggers a taxable event. Um, number four is when you earn any type of token. So you can earn tokens through, um, your employment. There, there are companies who pay you, uh, could be in an NFT or could be in coin that triggers taxes. Um, there are so many other ways to earn these days, like, you know, uh, yield, uh, earning interest, staking, mining income, all those, uh, events trigger taxes, uh, whenever you receive those tokens in, in your hands. And the final one is when you, go to some of these blockchain specific transactions like airdrops and hard forks, you end up getting, you know, free coins uh, or an NFT. 
uh, and then those uh, events trigger taxable event. So if you go to any of those five events, you will likely have a taxable event. Uh, it could be a gain and it could also be a loss as well. And the, the other misconception people have is that, okay, I made a loss. I don't need to report this to the, to the IRS. Uh, I mean, you should definitely do that because if you have a loss, that's going to increase your tax refund. It's going to decrease your tax bill. Uh, it's going to actually offset in some cases, even your non-crypto income, like, you know, your wages, interest, stock income, and et cetera. So you should, you should report both crypto gains and, and also crypto losses. So that's how I would kind of, kind of break down those, those taxable, taxable events. The first somebody donates to you an NFT. For example, the parents or their children at work, they give you a bonus, they give you an NFT. Are you obliged to ask for the cost of that donation? Well, so is it, so this, the first thing I would ask is, uh, what, what is the character of that transaction, right? So if I'm getting something from my parents and they're not expecting anything back from me, that's a gift. But if I'm receiving something from, let's say, I work for CoinTracker. CoinTracker is giving me, I don't know, one Bitcoin. It's not a gift because there's a, they're expecting exactly. something back from yeah, me. Of course. So, so first I would figure out, okay, what's the character of the transaction? And even if it's a gift or it could be like compensation in both those cases, you're going to need the cost basis. Uh, I mean, if I'm getting paid from CoinTracker, let's say one Bitcoin today, my cost basis of that Bitcoin would be, uh, but 20,000, that's the, the today's value. No, in crypto, it's relatively easy because there's a market. I mean, in, in NFTs, it can be, be a bit tricky because you have to ask yeah. for the cost of the, of the NFT when it was purchased. That can be a Correct. bit embarrassing as well. Yeah. So in the case of like, uh, that my, my parents giving me, uh, you know, gifting an NFT. There's this couple of things. Number one, I mean, again, depending on how large the transaction is, they would want to get a appraisal because if the gift is more than $15,000 in, in, in any given year in the U.S., they, my parents, they have to file a gift tax return uh, telling the IRS, hey, I gifted this uh, amount of uh, NFT to, to my son. That's, okay. that's how the tax system works. It has yeah. to be documented. It has to be documented. There's no, there's Even no tax for money laundering and all these uh, things. Exactly. There's a lot of focus on them at the moment. Right. And, and then when I receive that, I, I don't have a taxable event. Assuming it's a bona fide gift. Again, there's no like, you know, hidden, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, things going back and forth with me and my parents. And obviously when I later sell that, gifted coin or NFT to somebody that would trigger a taxable event yeah, and yeah, to sense. figure out the gains there that you need the cost basis. <laughs> makes sense. So, so just to clarify on this one, your cost basis would be zero or the, the value on when you are gifted the item. I think the value from the document, no? Emanating from depends. the document. So the cost basis for me depends on whether the property has appreciated or depreciated at the time my parents gifted me. If the property has appreciated, I mean, that's the, the most common case. Uh, you know, you're gifting appreciated property. Then my, then I get what's called the carryover basis. Uh, I get the same cost basis my, my parents had. It comes to me. But if the property has depreciated, there's a, there's a calculation you need to do, uh, to figure out your exact cost basis. So you would get the, if it's appreciated, it's the 
value on the date that it was transferred to you? No, it, the cost basis of the parents. The very the original transaction. Yeah. No, yeah. Because otherwise, John, the parents would have to pay tax on the donation. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So I've seen that in Coin Tracker, there are ways of marking each transaction. And we mentioned a few of those, like airdrops, ignore if it's something like spam. Are there any other important events that we haven't gone into yet? Um, I think we, we covered those five situations. Um, obviously cashing out, we figure it out automatically. Crypto to crypto trades, uh, pretty automatic. Spending, uh, is probably a situation where you would have to do something because again, we don't know. Uh, I mean, we would show this as a send transaction, uh, but you got to mark it as a payment or something because we don't know the reason behind you sent out coins from your wallet. So that's something that's a where you had to do a manual edit. Earning cryptocurrencies, I mean, if it's a mining or staking, like, you know, pretty, um, you, you know, we automatically categorize them, but there are like so many like obscure mining pools and staking and different types of videos that we have no ability to automatically detect, uh, to see like, you know, what type of income is that. So in that case, you would have to do some manual edits. Uh -huh. Um, yeah. So. That, that's pertaining pertaining to NFT specifically, I think there's something worth mentioning when, for example, looks rare or other platforms give incentives for listing on their on their exchanges. So you lift if you list at a certain price, you get looks. Uh, that's the currency um, used by looks rare. X two Y two uses. Some other currency, I, I forgot what it's called as well. So in that, those cases, it's classified, I guess, as an incoming token. And then you can set it as income, I assume. Yeah, you, you can set it as uh, income. You can just mark it as income. Yeah. Um, can you give the general public an indication of the fees that you charge? Yeah. So, uh, I can give you the US prices, but if you log into, uh, you don't need to log in actually. If you go to cointracker.io slash um, uh, pricing uh, or, or from the main website, if you navigate to the pricing tab, you can see prices in the US varying from uh, free to, to an unlimited tier. I think a lot of people uh, are on like the $199 tier. I don't remember the exact, actually, let me double check right now the pricing because we change the pricing uh, sometimes. So the hobbies tier is $59. The premium tier is $199. And then if you need like more number of transactions, uh, then, then the prices go up from there. And uh, how has been the evolution of the prices? Therefore, what I mean is that if I come to you, um, I wouldn't like to change, to switch from one system to another after one year, two years. Therefore, any increases would be gradual or there can be sudden increases so to to my knowledge i don't think we have done any price increase or anything like that uh generally speaking tech technology products are inherently deflationary so i expect you know pricing for these type of companies to to go down like you know over time i mean we, we don't intend to you know increase prices like you know every year i mean we care about the the customers and how easy we make them to compile their taxes um 
So, so that's our main goal, like not, not like increasing prices every year. And can you subscribe for more than one year? You can subscribe for more than one year. Uh, but I don't know if we have a discount when you do that. Okay. Sharon, what about sales tax? Because this has been a discussion that arises from time to time, especially when it comes to art, art pieces, uh, NFTs. Is there any sales tax or how, how is it the interpretation, the eyes of the law for sales tax? So, uh, that's, that's another like, um, uh, controversial area, especially in the US. Sales tax are mandated by each state. So each state has like different set of rules. So, uh, every state kind of sees, uh, sales tax NFTs in their own way. Some states specifically subject, uh, yeah, intangible assets and digital products, subscriptions slash NFTs to sales taxes. But the problem is it's really hard to enforce those rules in this um, pseudonymous environment we, we spoke about. For example, I, like if you if you transact in, in OpenSea, uh, and if you're somebody who's buying an NFT in a state that's subject NFT to sales tax, you're obliged to pay the sales tax. And then the seller is obliged to collect the sales tax. But the problem is the seller doesn't know where the buyer is from because OpenSea uh, has this whole wallet connecting and, and there's no KYC process. So, so to answer your question, some states do subject uh, NFT to sales tax, but when it comes to enforcement, um, I, I don't know how the enforcement can work uh, in the pseudonymous environment. Yes, this this will be a challenge for sure, even in Europe, because works of art, uh, obviously, they are subject to VAT, and uh, you know <laughs> NFTs. Um, I think those those art pieces will, would be subject to the same treatment. But as you said, it's difficult for the authorities to track them. But obviously, they will come up with solutions. But it mm-hmm. will take some time, possibly. And uh, there, there's one other thing, because we have a lot of artists as well, creating art. And sometimes there's also maybe not so much of a misconception, but the kind of profits you make as an artist selling artwork, selling NFTs, those are typically taxed differently than the capital gains criteria used for people who are trading and collecting um, NFTs. I don't know if Cointracker handles it currently. I assume it's one of the requested features that might happen at some further stage, right? Yeah, it will happen in, I think, further stages. Uh, so you're talking about uh, NFT uh, creators uh, who are running like, you know, literal businesses, you know, they just buy and sell uh, and they also create NFTs. We are more targeted towards uh, NFT investors and obviously crypto investors as well. Uh, we have seen that request, but not uh, enough for us to kind of pivot and kind of build a separate product for them because what they need is like a separate accounting system for their business uh, versus like a, a yeah. tool needed by like a consumer. Makes sense. And the last question from my end, and perhaps my dad can also build on this, is whether there is an a customizability on the way. So let me rephrase. In crypto coins specifically some countries allow you to have the sale be tax-free if you held say more than a year case of germany portugal probably from next year 
is there a way to set these coins when, when we're talking about fungible tokens? Is there a way to set which coins are held specifically to decide as long-term investments? Or is it a case of just using FIFO? Yes, LIFO? This is distinguishing between carrying on an, an economic activity in terms of business, that is trading, vis-a-vis investing. So um, right now, there's no, I guess, clear way for us to do that. But there's a there's a shortcut. I mean, you can keep your long-term or business assets in, in, a, in a separate wallet versus your other trading uh, uh, coins. And when you do that, and when you pick the per wallet cost basis tracking method, we only take, like if you're selling something uh, in your trading wallet, we don't touch anything in the other wallet. So that's kind of like a, I guess, a shortcut way to, to, to kind of get to the outcome that you, that you would like. And if you're, so if you're adding several ledger wallets, you can specify, I mean, coin tracker makes a distinguish, distinguishes between one and more wallets. You can specify what each wallet is for. Correct. And then if you, if you want to sell something from your trading wallet, uh, when you then initiate a trade from there, and then the gain is calculated based on that transaction that occurred inside that wallet. Yeah, I don't know if we you want to mention anything else um, that catches people on the wrong foot when it comes to NFT and taxation and how Coin Tracker can help us with that. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think the last thing I want to say is that uh, a lot of people think that. NFT transactions, even crypto transactions are invisible from the regulators. Uh, but that's not true. They have so many ways, uh, to tie those transactions, uh, into real world identities and come up to you. Uh, and once you do a transaction in, in blockchain, whether it's for NFTs or coins, it's, it's a permanent record. Um, so, uh, crypto assets are like the worst asset class you pay taxes for, for that reason, because there's a permanent recorder by you in the blockchain. It's just a matter of somebody tying that uh, transaction into your PII uh, one day. So my message is, you know, be tax compliant. Uh, use a tool like contractor to, uh, you know, figure out your gains and losses so you don't have to, uh, you know, do all the manual reconciliation, which are uh, virtually impossible in many cases. Very cool. Uh, I don't know if my dad had anything to add to that. Are you with me? Fine, fine with you. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Shyam, for clarifying a bunch of things for us. I hope this is useful for many of my NFT trading and collector friends. And hopefully we can see tools like Coin Tracker continue to evolve to keep up with the different transactions we're seeing in the NFT space. So thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And as usual, if you are enjoying the content we've been putting out, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. And you can reach us on podcast at mastermind.fm. Everything else, you can also reach out on Twitter at mastermind.fm. And I hope to see you with us in the next episode. Have a nice week.